Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. This is going to be an awesome day. I'm encouraged this morning. Um, I believe that uh, we just broke through into something today in, in worship, and I, I feel like it's a new normal for our church, just a new level of freedom and worship, and uh, God wants us to have fun. Like We can have fun in worship. We can enjoy it. Amen? It's not a, a somber time, but it's a celebration. Amen? And so God is good. He's in a good mood, and he wants to bless you today. He wants to bless you today. He wants his children to be blessed. Amen? Amen? He's a good dad. Or We were talking about it in prayer this morning, but like, you know, when you have a good dad, you can just come into the house, even, even if you go away to college, you can come back from college and you just come in the house and just go right to the fridge and help yourself. Amen? If Sophie comes back, she can just come right in and go to the fridge and help herself, right? And so that's our dad. We can come in and just help ourselves. We can enjoy his presence. He wants us to enjoy it. Amen? He's a good dad. I love the prodigal son story, but one of the things that just has stood out to me in the last uh, year or so is that even after the prodigal son had done everything wrong and he really blew it, what is waiting for him when he gets home? Celebration. A party. The, the father welcomed him back into the real party. He thought he was going to find the party. The party was at home all along. Amen? And so God is just encouraging you this morning. The party is here. It's not out there. It's here. Amen? It's in his presence. So he is in a good mood. And um, I just want to, I felt this in prayer this morning. I, I get up, uh, you know, the first thing on Sunday morning, and I just try to have a time with the Lord before, we get, before I get ready. But I, I felt like this in prayer this morning. I just want to declare to you today that you've not reached your peak. You have not reached your peak, amen? You have uh, so much yet to discover of who God is and who he's created you to be. You've not peaked. You haven't seen it all yet. We're just barely seeing the goodness of God. We're just getting like the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much more to be discovered of his joy and his goodness and his grace. And you have not reached your peak yet. Amen? So I know that's for somebody. Um, Life with God is an adventure. It's an adventure, and it's a a, a never-ending discovery, even in in heaven. It's a never-ending discovery of His goodness. So we have a lot to look forward to, and I want to encourage you to get your hopes up this morning. So, and I can just even attest, you know, where God has taken me in the past 10 years is just unbelievable. Sometimes I just have to stop and remember what he's done. I mean, I could, I tried to do a Bible study, I think around 10 years ago. I couldn't even lead a Bible study. I just, I mean, I just didn't have it in me. I just like, I was trying to read scripture. I was trying, I was like, I got nothing. (laughs) And I like wanted to do a Bible study, but I just like, I just didn't have it. And it's like, man, what God's done in my life is like, so amazing, so incredible. You know, and I, obviously back then there was a lot of things in the way that he's just been moving out of the way. And a lot of you know the testimony about God setting me free of fear and intimidation. I mean, just speaking in front of people used to be terrifying. I was in speech and debate in high school and I would literally shake before I was going to speak in front of like 10 people. And, uh, you know, so God's just done an amazing work, but it's the life of a believer. 
It's we go from glory to glory to glory. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It's a never-ending discovery of Jesus, amen, and his goodness. And he will take you from glory to glory to glory. There's only one way that you can ruin it. That's to give up. <laughs> Not sin. Sin doesn't ruin it. Messing up, making mistakes doesn't ruin it. Giving up is the only thing. Running away is the only thing that, that will ruin it. But if you keep getting back up, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, and seven times he gets back up. Keep getting back up. Keep pursuing God. Keep God in front of you. And you can't fail because he's doing the work. Amen? Amen. So my heart for today is this. Um, there's, here's a few topics I just have in my heart. It's, uh, we're continuing the Prosperous Soul Series. This is week five. And this is what's on my heart today. Enjoying your life. Enjoying life. Breaking free from stress and anxiety. And entering into rest. And I know I just spoke about rest a few weeks ago, but there's more. There's more to be discovered in this area. So enjoying life, breaking free from stress and anxiety, and entering into rest. So God has called us to follow him. He's called us to follow him, enjoy our life, and not to worry about the future, but to trust in him. Amen? Trust in him. It's not our job to figure out the future, but our job is to put Jesus in front of us, follow him, trust in him, and let him worry about the future. Amen? I was thinking about getting a t-shirt, and I wanted to say, follow him, enjoy life, don't worry. We need to do that. TM. TM. That's just trademark. That's a, that's a verbal trademark. Done. Follow him. Enjoy life. Don't worry. You're, you're allowed to enjoy your life. Amen? You're allowed to have joy. You're allowed to enjoy God. You're allowed to enjoy your hobbies, things that you like. You're allowed to have fun. Amen? You're allowed to enjoy your life. Some of us need to give ourselves permission to just enjoy life. So God, I just want to declare this over you this morning. God is breaking off worry and anxiety today. And specifically, I believe God's going after this today. He's specifically going after fear of the future and fear of not accomplishing your destiny. So God is breaking those things off today. Fear, anxiety, fear of future events, and fear of not accomplishing things. God doesn't want you to worry. Say it again. God doesn't want you to worry. God doesn't want you to live in stress and anxiety. That's not your portion. Stress and anxiety does not come from God. That's not your portion. He just wants you to come and rest at his feet. Come and rest at his feet. Some of you know that we have a, a little dog at home, Sammy. We've had him for about seven years, and he's a, he's a cute little guy. But just, you know, what was funny is seven years ago, I think Tia was about eight, and Tia and mom came to me just batting their eyes because they knew dad did not want a dog. I was like, I don't want to have an animal. And they would, came to me just like with all their charm, and, and you know, they broke me. And I told them before we got the dog, I just said, this is what's going to happen. This is going to become my dog. I'm going to feed it. I'm going to take care of it. And it's going to be my dog. The one person that doesn't want a dog is going gonna, is gonna to become his dog. And that's exactly what happened. So Sammy's my dog. I feed him and take care of him and walk him every night. 
every night for the rest of my life, walking Sammy. No, I actually, I have grown to love Sammy. Um, he's a good doggy. I really love him. But a few years ago, um, I would notice that, you know, it's funny how dogs are they're smart. They, they, they notice pecking order. They, they're like, you know, what do you call that? They're pack animals. And so they see, like, the rank in family, you know. And so they know who the master is. And so since we had uh, our dog for, you know, years ago, he just would follow me around. And he would just go where I would go, and he would just lay at my feet all the time. And I'd go to bed at night, and he'd come and he'd lay at the floor at my feet. He's not allowed to get in the bed, but he'd sleep at the edge of our bed, or he'd come next to me and just sleep next to me. And I remember thinking, I just didn't really think much of it, but I remember one day God showed or spoke to me, and he says, I want you to come and just lay at my feet. Like Sammy, he just he finds peace in laying at the master's feet. That's, he just, that's where he wants to be. He wants to be at the master's feet. And I, I know the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, just come and lay at my feet. You'll find peace laying at the master's feet. And so God's not calling us to live in stress and anxiety and to try to figure it out. It's not our job to try to figure it out. But he's calling us to just come and rest at his feet. We will find peace at the master's feet. Amen? There is so much rest in the Father. There's so much rest in the Father. And I just want to read a few scriptures over you this morning. God's word is powerful. It's like a double-edged sword. So I'm just going to take a couple minutes and just read some scripture over you. Hebrews 4.11 says that we labor to enter into rest. Our job is to enter into rest. And it says, let us therefore make every effort to enter into rest. It didn't say, let's make every effort to become better, to do better, to try, to try harder. It says, your effort is to enter into rest. That's what our goal is, to enter into rest, to come and sit at the master's feet. Because there's so much rest in the Father. Exodus thirty-three fourteen says this, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. God's presence goes with you wherever you go. And he wants to give you rest. Joshua 1.13 says this, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you the land. The Lord your God will give you rest and he'll give you the land. We don't have to take the land. We inherit the land. Amen? He says, enter into my rest and I'll give you the land. You don't have to take it. It's your inheritance. He gives us the land. First Chronicles 23, 25 says, For David said, The Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people, and he dwells in Jerusalem forever. He's given us rest. The Lord our God has given us rest. It's our portion. Your portion is not anxiety or stress. Your portion is not fear. Your portion is rest. Amen? This is your portion. This is what God has for you. Matthew 11, 28, and 30, 28 through 30, it says, Come to me, this is Jesus speaking, Come to me, all who are weary and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
For I am gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is Jesus declaring over you, beloved. He says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I feel like the Lord spoke to me this, uh, spoke to me this week that there, these are the two pitfalls that keep us from rest. So there's two pitfalls that keep us from rest. Number one is anxiety and stress. So anxiety and stress are rooted in fear and lies of the enemy. So anxiety and stress, they're, they're rooted in fear and lies of the enemy. Anxiety is exalting another idea over what God has promised. So we've got God's word over us. We've got his promises over us. And that's why it's so, like, it's such a good thing to, like, meditate on the Lord, meditate on the word, meditate on scripture, grab onto those scriptures. When you're dealing with anxiety, grab onto the scriptures that deal with anxiety. And it's so important to know what God's word says because when a thought, an anxious thought comes, it wants you to grab onto that thought and elevate that thought above God's truth. And so we can't, we can't actually, um, we can't uh, remove a thought or delete a thought. Sometimes I, we wish we could probably. Like, man, I wish I could just delete that thought. Delete. But we can't remove a thought. But what we can do is we can introduce into our mind a superior thought. So when that anxious thought comes, and they're going to come because we have an adversary. So when that anxious thought comes, we can bring that superior thought. That's what God says about our situation. And we introduce that thought. And so we can't remove a thought, but what we can do is we can introduce a superior thought that actually pushes that thought away. And we say, no, I'm grabbing onto this. Amen? So anxiety is exalting another idea over what God has promised. When we grab onto anxiety, we're exalting something that's a lie above God's truth. Anxiety and stress cause us to freeze and become unproductive. So Satan wants you unproductive. He knows he can't steal your salvation once you've given your heart to Jesus, but he, he doesn't want you productive. He wants you stuck. And one of the ways we get stuck is anxiety and fear and stress. Fear causes you to freeze. Anxiety and stress are part of fear. They cause you to freeze. They cause you not to become productive, to get stuck. And the enemy works to keep us in anxiety and stress because it keeps us from expressing Christ in our own uniqueness. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, if, any, if everybody knew who God created them to be, they'd never, ever want to be anybody else. Let me say it again. If we all knew who God created us to be, we'd never ever want to be anybody else. Because there's something that you uniquely express about Christ that no one else does, that no one else can. And so the enemy, he wants to fill us with anxiety and stress because it keeps us from expressing Christ in the unique way that we can that no one else can. It keeps us from expressing a part of Christ that only we can. Amen? So two pit pitfalls that keep us from rest. Number one is anxiety and stress. Number two is performance and works. 
So performance and works is a way to try to keep ourselves busy enough not to notice our own shame and our own pain. So we're like, I can't look at that, but I'm going to keep myself busy enough to where I don't have to feel my pain. I don't have to think about it. So it's another tool of the enemy. You got to work. It's like God's telling us to rest. Amen. The enemy's like, no, you got to work. It's, it's, like, it's like an orphan mindset. It's like, no, you're not a son. You're an orphan. You've got to work. If you're an orphan, you can't just come in and go to the refrigerator, right? You have to work. You have to earn it. You have to do something to deserve it, right? So he wants to put us into this performance mindset. And all, this, all the while, we, we're holding this pain and this shame and this feeling that we're an orphan, and we're just trying to work it away. We're trying to bury it with works and, and earning and what God, so the two things that the enemy is, is this anxiety and stress and performance and works. And but what God is calling us into is rest. Just rest. Sonship. God wants us to lay down anxiety and stress and leave behind performance and earning and to just enter into his rest and enjoy him. He wants us to enjoy him. We don't have to work. We don't have to earn it. And you know what? We have this, the enemy will try to sell you this lie. Okay, you can laugh at this if you want, if you've bought this one. He'll try to sell you this lie. Unless you work, you're not going to be productive. You got to work hard. You got to work. And I'm not talking about like your job. I'm talking about like you got to work to earn something from God. Because if you don't, you'll not be productive. But I want to tell you, when you enter into God's rest, you will be more productive than you've ever been in your life. And that includes your job. When you enter into his rest, work becomes easy. Amen? God's calling us out of stress, out of performance, and into rest. It's easier than we think. It's easier than we think. Religion makes it hard. But Jesus says, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen? God's calling you into his rest, and he wants you to enjoy him. He wants you to enjoy his presence. His presence refreshes us, and it provides the rest that we need to be creative and to enter into joy, peace, and contentment. That's, that's our portion. Joy, peace, contentment. And it comes from just enjoying our Father and just entering into rest. Amen? His presence will set you free from the lie of shame. And that's, that's something that we're passionate about here is just going after shame. You know, it says in the word that Jesus took our shame, he bore our shame, and that also says that he despised shame. Jesus despises shame. So do we think that God wants us to use shame as a tool? to help us in any way. No. Jesus despised shame. It says, he, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised shame. Amen? Shame is not your friend, and it's not a good tool to use to try to do anything in your life. In fact, God despises it. God doesn't like shame. So I know one of the sayings that my wife and I don't like is shame on you. Because I think that what God did and what Jesus did is said shame off of you. I'm going to get the shame off of you. Amen? 
I want to read John 10, 10. It's one of my favorite verses, but I want to read it in the Passion Translation. I think uh, we have it for the screens. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal. It's talking about Satan. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Isn't that good? Jesus has come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. He wants to do more than you can imagine, more than you can think, more than you're expecting. He wants you to have life in its fullness until you overflow. I want to declare to you this morning that God wants you to overflow. He is not the God of just enough. Some of us feel like he's the God of barely enough, barely making it. But he's the God of overflow. Psalm 23, David said, God, you're anointing my head with oil. My cup's overflowing. I'm overflowing. He's the God of overflow. How many have ever been to SeaWorld? You? So what happens if you get in the soak zone? You get wet. If you get near the tank at SeaWorld, the soak zone, you're going to get wet. So if you're not overflowing in your marriage, if you're not overflowing in, in that area, get near a couple who is, and their overflow will get on you until you're overflowing. God wants you to not just have enough, he wants you to overflow because the people around you, it's gonna get on them. So if you're not overflowing in finances, get around someone who is because their overflow is gonna get on you. And you want it to get on you until you're overflowing. And then you get around someone and your overflow is gonna get on someone. God wants you overflowing. It's a picture of, of like, this whole deal is not just for you. Yes, it's for you, but I want, to, I want you to overflow. So you just, I just get around Ember, and it's just like, here's some joy. There you go. He wants you to overflow. So and there's no shame in, in being like, God, I, I feel like I'm not overflowing. So I need to find someone in this area of my life who's overflowing. If you're not overflowing with joy, get around someone who is. And let that get on you. Let, let God teach you and actually heal you through someone who's overflowing. Amen? God wants you to overflow. Overflow with joy. Overflow in your finances. God wants you to be the lender, not the borrower. Amen? He wants you to overflow in your marriage, to have more than enough. I really feel like this, is, this was a key part of, of uh, this message that God uh, started to show me. Life is not about the destination. Life is about enjoying the journey with the Lord. We can't get um, too focused on how are we going to get to where we're going. It's about enjoying the journey with the Lord. It's about entering into a rest and enjoying the ride. Just enjoying the ride. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough things to worry about, that's what he said. That don't worry about tomorrow. We're putting our trust in God. Amen? Life is about enjoying the journey. Put your trust in Him. Let Him figure out the destination. Amen? 
Joseph talked about GPS. I feel like that was the Holy Spirit, because that's in my notes. God is our GPS. I'm not going to worry about having to know how to get to my destination, but I trust my GPS to get me there one turn at a time. You know, we, we turned into a GPS generation. Like, I remember the, still the days we had to get out a map and, like, figure out where we're going. It's like, man, now I don't, I don't need to know. I just need to know where the next turn is, right? <laughs> That's GPS. That's the, the joy of using GPS. I'm trusting that it's going to get me there. I just need to know when the next turn is. Amen? So it's not about getting too focused on how are we going to get to the destination or even what is the destination, but it's focusing on the Lord and letting him just guide us one turn at a time and rest in the process. Rest. God's got, God got this. He knows where he's taking me. I just need to know. I just need to be in his presence and know where the next turn is. And he's going to tell me by his Holy Spirit. So I'm not suggesting that we don't have vision or that we don't set goals, but I am suggesting that we're never going to get there. We're never going to get to where we need to go by worry and by stress. But we will get there by delighting and resting in the Lord. Amen? Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself. Delight yourself. Say that, say that out loud. Delight yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. What's your job in that? Delight yourself. I like that. I can do that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Part of delighting yourself in the Lord is delighting in what he's created you to do. And I believe there's people here this morning, and I get caught up in this myself, that we've in some ways, we've left the love of what God's created us to do and just delighting in that. Just delighting in what he's created to do. I know God's created me. One of the things he's created me to do is to, to write songs and to be creative in music. And sometimes I, I feel like I get bogged down with busyness of life and I've like forgotten that I love that so much. And I've forgotten that that's part of what I'm created to do. And God's saying, I want you to enjoy this. I want you to just delight yourself in this area of creating music and have fun with it. Have fun with it. So whatever it is that God's created you to do, it's like God's calling us to rediscover what he's created us to do. What he's created us to do is something that we will delight in because he's a good dad. He's not going to create you to do something that you hate. <laughs> Amen. He's going to create you, and the thing that he's called you to do, it actually is, brings you peace. It brings you joy. And part of delighting yourself in the Lord is just delighting in what he's created you to do. I feel so much more peace uh, when I'm creating something, when I'm encouraging someone. That's another thing God's called me to do is to encourage. When I'm spending time with God, that's when I feel the most peace, when I'm doing things inside of what God's called me and what he's created me to do, delighting myself in the Lord. We're all call, called to spend time with God. Amen? And if it's hard, there's probably some lies that you need to get out of the way about the character of God because he's a good dad. And the more we discover his goodness, the easier it is to come into prayer and to come into his word.
So many times we see Jesus getting away to spend time with the Father. He just is getting away because he's like, I got to be with my Father. Because Jesus knows the goodness of God. And he's like, this is something I have to do. It's like food. Like, I have to be with my Father. Man cannot live on every, or just bread alone, but has to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Part of what we live on is just the presence of God, being in his presence. It's, it's like food to our spirit. So Jesus would often withdraw to find rest and refuel. In fact, I saw this this week in Mark chapter 6. Right after Jesus and his disciples hear that John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus says this to him: Come aside by yourselves. We're going to a deserted place and we're going to rest. So right after they get the news, John the Baptist is beheaded. Jesus says, we're getting out of here. We're going somewhere secluded by ourselves to rest and to refuel in God. Amen? Jesus knew the power in withdrawing and being with the Lord. Amen? Philippians chapter 4. I want to read verse 4 through 8. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. When is an appropriate time to rejoice in the Lord? Always. There's never a time in your life as a believer where it's not okay to rejoice. Put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. <laughs> There's never a time where it's not okay to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I feel like God spoke that to me. He's like, There's never a time where it's not okay. Always. Always. I looked it up in the Greek. It means always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it again. Rejoice. Want to get that shirt? Follow him. Enjoy life. Don't worry. Rejoice in the Lord always. You have permission to be joyful. You have permission to rejoice. You have permission to enjoy your life. Give yourself permission to rejoice. It's a command. Rejoice. God's telling you. Rejoice. Verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. We live in a culture where gentleness is often considered weakness, especially if you're a man. I mean, you can find, I could pull up YouTube videos, a bunch of them right now that say, to be a man and to command respect is you have to be serious and you have to show people how to treat you and you don't show weakness and you, this is what you do. This is how you command respect. But how many know Jesus was a pretty manly man? He was a carpenter. And he could be tough when he needed to be tough. Went in and drove a whole bunch of people out of the temple. He wasn't a wussy. Amen? But Jesus was gentle. He actually exposed and showed how manly he was by the fact that he could be gentle. He was secure in who he was that he could also be 
completely gentle. Amen? Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. That last part, the Lord is near, it's saying like, Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus is in you. You don't have to dig up gentleness or like try to conjure it up. It's like the Holy Spirit is spirit of gentleness. He is gentleness and he lives inside of you. It's like the Lord is with you. He is near. So gentleness is always there. It's not hard to, to pull out gentleness because we have the Holy Spirit. We can ask the Holy Spirit in every situation. Holy Spirit, what does gentleness look like right now? What does gentleness look like? Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Rejoice always. Be anxious never. I like what Bill Johnson said. I heard him recently. He said, he read that verse, be anxious for nothing. And he said, I've, that's one I have obeyed 100%. He said, because every time, everything I've ever been anxious for has came to nothing. Not quite what it means, but it's a little joke. Be anxious for nothing. Everything I've ever been anxious for, he says, has came to nothing. And that's so true in all of our life. What's the story? I, don't, I can't remember it offhand, but there's a story of the guy who was in his 90s, and he said he was imparting wisdom to somebody, and he said 98% of everything I worried about was nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Rejoice always. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Again, we can't remove thoughts that come into our mind, but we can crowd them out by introducing a superior thought. So when that anxiety comes... Immediately, it gives us, it gives right here, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Anxious thought comes, I'm immediately going to go into prayer. God, you know my need, and I'm going to declare your word over this situation, and I'm releasing anxiety to you right now, and I'm going to hold on to a deeper truth. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God, I thank you that this trial... You're actually going to use it to bring blessing into my life. This looks like it's going to hurt me, but I actually believe that your word says you cause all things to work together for my good. So I thank you, God, you're turning this around for my good. With thanksgiving, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. I like that it says, let your request be made known to God. Some of us can think that we can't ask God for things. He's saying, let your request be made known to God. Please ask me. Ask me for what you need. Give me the request. I want to fulfill it. It's absolutely possible to live a life without anxiety, fear, and stress. It's possible to live without anxiety. If it wasn't, God is cruel for putting this verse in the Bible. He says, be anxious for nothing. So the fact that it's there shows us that it's possible, that we can live a life free of anxiety. I believe that. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that surpasses 
all comprehension. It's like, it doesn't make sense. You can actually have peace in the hardest moments of your life. See, in the world, peace is like the absence of something. It's like the absence of war, the absence of problems. That's what peace is in the world. But peace in God's kingdom, you can have peace in the hardest trial you've ever went through. Paul actually wrote this verse in prison. He's in prison, and they're probably, probably the prisons we have now pale in comparison to what he was experiencing. He wrote this verse in, pr- in prison. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, doesn't even make sense. It's like, in the natural, it would seem like, how can you have peace right now? It surpasses comprehension. Will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. It's your portion. It's your portion. And you can have peace in the midst of the storm. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I like practical scripture. And this is about as practical as it gets. It's like, here's what you should think on. So what should we not think on? Anything that doesn't fit in that category. Anything that doesn't fit in there. We need to go on a discovery of like, okay, what is true? What is honorable? What are the right things? What are the pure things, lovely things, and the things of good report that I actually need to be meditating on and thinking on? And what are the things that don't fit in that category that I need to push out of my life? I know for me, it's like, I, I don't put this on anybody else, but for me, it's like, I can't meditate on news because I feel the anxiety come. And it doesn't mean I vote. I, I'm like very passionate about the issues that we have. But if I'm meditating every day on the news, I feel the anxiety come. So I have to meditate on the things that fit in this category. If you elevate your thinking, you'll elevate your life. This is about thinking the way God's asking us to think, putting our mind on the things that God's asking us to put our mind on. And if you elevate how you think, what you think on, you'll elevate your life. It's going to happen automatically. That's how it works. Verse 9, the things you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things. Practice rejoicing. Practice rejoicing. Man, wouldn't that be fun just to put time in your schedule just to practice joy? Okay, I'm setting aside time in my schedule. I'm just going to practice joy. I'm just going to laugh. I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to read something that makes me laugh. I'm going to just have joy. Practice rejoicing. Practice gentleness. Put that in your schedule. I'm going to have a half an hour where I just think, how can I practice gentleness? Who can I practice gentleness on? Practice thankfulness. That's a great practice to have at the beginning of each day. Practice focusing on the things that God has told us to focus on. Our minds don't automatically go there, do they? They don't go that, there to that, you know, verse 8, like good, pure, lovely, good report. So we have to practice those things. I have to practice. I'm not going to focus on the things that don't fit in that category, and I am going to focus on these things. Practice these things. Watch what it does to your mind. 
Watch what it does to your personal peace. Follow him. Enjoy life. Don't worry. TM. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. God is good. And he has more than enough for you. He has more than enough for you, beloved. He's good. You're his son. He has only good things for you. We just read it. He says it's the enemy who comes to kill, steal, slaughter, destroy. I come to bring life. He only has life for you. He only has life for you, beloved. John, the disciple, laid his head on Jesus' chest. That's just kind of crazy. Like, how radically loved did John feel to do that? How radically accepted did he feel? How radically safe must he have felt to do that? Like, again, Jesus was a manly man. And John felt safe to just lay his head on his chest. It's a picture of rest. It's a picture of trust and faith in in God, knowing that he's good, knowing that that's a safe place. How safe did he feel doing that? How cared for must he have felt to feel comfortable doing that? You're safe in his arms. Amen. I wrote that song that we uh, sang, the second song we sang today, When I Don't Have the Words. And uh, the, one of the lines in the first verse is, um, I'll just, when I don't have the words, I just come to you. I'll just cry on your shoulder. I'll just lay on your chest. And that's a vulnerable. Every time I sing it, it's like, this is vulnerable. <laughs> For a man to say, I'm just going to come and lay on another man's chest. That's vulnerable. But it's like, it's that position of safety, knowing, trusting, faith in God, knowing how good he is, that we can just come and lay on his chest. You're safe in his arms. So I feel like God gave me this to share with you. Jesus will come and cry with you so that you can come and laugh with him. He'll enter into your sadness. He'll enter into your shame, and he'll come and cry with you so that you can come and laugh with him. Would you just close your eyes this morning? Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome Savior you are. We thank you that you took our shame. You took our sin. You took our burden. And you gave us righteousness. And you made us white as snow. And now we can walk free. Now we can go free because of what you've done. It's, It's illustrated in the story of Barabbas. Barabbas was guilty. He was a murderer. He was a troublemaker. 
He was a bad guy to our definition, our standards. But he was set completely free. He was released, free to go. Jesus is taking your place. You were supposed to be crucified, but Jesus is taking your place. So we thank you, Jesus, that we're all Barabbas. All of us have fallen short of your glory, but you chose to take our place. You chose to restore us as sons. You chose to restore us to the Father, and, and God has chosen to adopt us, that we can just come in, into the joy of the Lord. We can come into the celebration. We can come into the feast. We can raid the fridge, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Jesus, you're such a great Savior. Father, you're such a good dad. Holy Spirit, you're such a good friend. Holy Spirit wants to guide our lives, and he's so good at his job. By the way, when, the, when I was talking about taking that anxious thought and introducing a, another thought, Holy Spirit is so good at that game. So you invite him in. Holy Spirit, I'm feeling this anxiety. I'm feeling this fear. What's the thought that I need to introduce that is going to be a superior thought that I can dwell on? He's good at that. He loves doing that with you. Make it a game. Make it a game with the Holy Spirit. He loves to play with us like kids. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're a good friend. And I just want you to ask a couple questions. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to your heart this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come up or anything, but I believe God's going to speak to you right where you sit. So number one, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you speak and that your voice is easy to hear. So I want to ask this first question that you can ask Holy Spirit. God, what is in my life or what in my life is keeping me from entering into the rest that you have for me? Just ask, you can ask in your heart. He hears the thoughts of your heart. What in my life is keeping me from the rest that you have for me? Second question. God, what have you created me to do that I need to actively pursue? What have you created me to do that I need to actively pursue? Just ask him in your heart. Now, I want you to take those things that you heard, and if you haven't heard anything, I believe a lot of people heard something immediately. But if you haven't heard anything, let this be like a continual prayer, and God will answer you. Number one, God, what, what, are, what in my life is keeping me from entering into rest? Number two, God, what have you created me to do that I need to actively pursue? That The second one is about entering and delighting in the Lord, delighting in the things that he's called you to do. Could have even worded it like, God, what am I not delighting? What, what have you created me to delight in that I'm not delighting in? 
So I want you to take those things and what the Holy Spirit spoke to you. And I want you to take them to the Lord and begin to process those things with him. And remember, Jesus will come and cry with you. If you need to cry, you can just go and cry in his presence. He'll come and cry with you. He'll come and be with you in that moment. He'll come and cry with you. He'll come and be with you and mourn with those who mourn so that he can pull you out of it and so that you can laugh with him. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just thank you for this word. I just thank you for a new season in our church. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that you are just taking us to another level of trust, that you are destroying fear and anxiety in our life, that you are destroying performance and works in our life, and you are inviting us to rest. I thank you that we're going into another level of rest in you. Thank you, Father.